a safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's Passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. Sitting in tonight is Paris Mansouri. Welcome to Passion, a show all about love, sex, and relationships. My name is Paris. I'm sitting in for Dr. Lori. She is on vacation. This is her last week of vacation. I hope she's enjoying it. And not I hope, she clearly is enjoying it. If you follow her at Dr. Lori Batito on Facebook or on Instagram or Twitter, you've been seeing her pictures of Greece. Make sure to connect with her there. Uh, tonight, we have a weekly feature that's on Passion. It's called Trouble Tuesday. And every Tuesday, Dr. Lori answers all your questions. She actually answers your questions in the beginning 15 minutes of every show but on Tuesdays the whole show is dedicated to our listeners and you get your questions answered and seeing that I'm not a therapist I'm not the expert that can handle your questions we do bring in the expert whenever Dr. Lori's away uh, tonight we have Amanda Luterman she's here to answer your questions she like Dr. Lori focuses on intimacy and relationships you can connect with her at Amanda Luterman and at eroticempathy.ca, which is a new project of hers. She told us about it last week, if you missed it. Amanda, welcome to the show. Hi, Paris. And can you tell us a little bit about eroticempathy.ca? Sure. So Erotic Empathy is uh, essentially just uh, an addition to my psychotherapy practice, where now I'll be integrating um, projects that have to do, uh, basically research projects and educational events. So just like tonight's event, which was an awesome success, um, I spoke with pelvic floor physiotherapist uh, Amadea Kazar of Ask Physiotherapy um, in Westmount, and we covered all kinds of amazing questions on intimacy and pelvic health, um, and it was, it was well attended and, and really, really inspiring. So if anyone wants to connect with her or wants to find out more about these types of events, definitely check out eroticempathy.ca or social media. Where can people connect with you on social? Uh, on social everything is uh, under my first name, last name, Amanda Luderman. So there's Instagram, Facebook, um, even, you know, some people message me through LinkedIn if they want to have that professional interaction without, you know, feeling like uh, it's a little bit personal. Some people feel a little funny about interacting with professionals on social media. I understand. So, well, you will free. need to do it on social media tonight you can do it right here you can text us your questions 514-800 any question you have regarding love sex relationships intimacy amanda is here for the whole hour to answer your questions i do suggest you get your questions in early at 514-800 please don't wait till the end of the show because they accumulate <laughs> and then we unfortunately don't have time to get to all of them so um first question is about toy play it says, I have a dildo. I play with it almost every day. I love to get an orgasm by inserting it into my rectum. Is it harmful to insert it every day? Sometimes I do thrust rigorously. My dildo shape and size is normal and I have never had pain while inserting. Is it harming my body in any way? Any possibility to get prostate cancer because of this activity? Firstly, there is no research on increased prostate cancer based on um, prostate stimulation. So you have no worries there as far as I know. Um, and the big indicator of anything harmful is pain. So like you said, if you, ha if you don't experience any pain, and then you might just be treating your body properly based on what it wants. And so, you know, when people say, is this normal? I do it every day. Remember that, ex you know, what, what our society or, or what our... Um, 
uh, sort of internalized messages of excess uh, or non-moderation are can can leave us feeling ashamed or you know sort of feel like I shouldn't want this much, right? You feel badly for wanting um, what it is that you are doing. So it, since you're pleasuring yourself, it sounds like things are going pretty okay over there. There's no pain and you don't have any risk of illness. I would be careful with regard to um, simply just uh, friction. So make sure you're losing, using lubricant and not causing any risk of micro tears around the skin of the rectum, which is a sensitive skin. Because if you do have partnered play, um, you know, after uh, self-stimulation, you can be more prone to picking up something sexually transmitted um, if there are micro tears, right? So, so it's sort of like making little windows for stuff to get in. So so be careful there and otherwise enjoy yourself. Amanda Luderman is joining us in studio tonight, taking your questions on Trouble Tuesday. You can text us at 514-800. I was actually going to ask a follow-up question about tears, about using lubricants. Are there different lubricants to keep in mind with toy play? I mean, if it's a glass toy versus a plastic toy, and also I'm imagining cleaning mm-hmm. uh, and hygiene is extremely important. So if a toy is glass, it's actually, um, I think, pretty well every kind of lube is okay. Um, you know, just uh, think about glassware in the kitchen. I mean, there's not a lot of, not, not there are no men, not that many... Um, uh, what's what I'm looking for? Sauces or whatever that won't go on a glass dish. I mean, that's pretty much okay. So oils will be safe on glass, etc. Um, what you want to be careful for, you know, is is uh, the latex being broken down uh, by uh, oils. So if you're using uh, condoms, for example, then then oils aren't always safe. Uh, so you just want to make sure it's it says that whatever materials are are meeting are safely compatible. And often there are labels uh, for those kinds of things. So follow the instructions Mm -hmm. and be hygienic. I mean, you're saying that in terms of hygienic. Yeah, you might want to, you know, wash your toys, uh, make sure that if you're sharing them, for instance, you're certainly washing them carefully using antibacterial or putting them in the dishwasher, as funny as that sounds. Um, Most, uh, a lot lot of toys are dishwasher safe if if they are glass or metal. Do you want to put that in the dishwasher? I'm just saying what's what's true, <laughs> and um, but all to say no. There's this is not a high risk um, tendency. The reason I bring it up is because off air um, on another show with Dr. Lori, there was one of the guests. Uh, you know, she wasn't an expert. She was just talking about toy play, and she was saying, "Oh, I need to get better at washing my toys. I wash them as often as I wash my makeup brushes." Oh gosh. And, and Dr. Lori asked her, like, how often <laughs> do you wash your makeup brushes? Because makeup brushes you should be washing also quite frequently, especially yeah. if you're applying eye makeup. Uh, but people are notorious for rarely or um, not frequently washing them. Yes. And she was like, oh, you know, I just use it on myself and it just goes in my drawer. So maybe like once a couple of months. Ooh, no, I wouldn't do that. I mean, uh, just a valid soap and water if it's just your own toy, um, give it a rinse. Without a doubt, I mean, you can collect bacteria in, uh, and certainly if you notice, actually often when people tell me they get frequent UTIs, I will ask them how often they're they're cleaning their sex toys. Okay, then. Um, our next question is a bit, a bit longer. It goes into... An eight-year relationship. We're going to get to that uh, after the break. I did want to update everyone. If you're just joining us right now, it's Trouble Tuesday. Amanda Luderman is joining us in studio to take your questions. You can text us at 514-800. If you're wondering where Dr. Lori is, she is on vacation. She's in Greece. You can connect with her at 
uh, Dr. Lori Batito on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you want to see what she's up to, you can email her still at lori at drlori.com. If you do want to connect with her directly, though, you should know that on Sunday, September 29th, that's the Sunday coming up, she is taking part in an event at 2 p.m. at the Kirkland Library. It's an event for um, that's basically celebrating sex and love in the senior years. It's part of the celebrations for International Seniors Day that's on October 1st and the Journée de la Culture from September 27th to the 29th. The Kirkland Library is offering a series of activities and conferences for seniors. There is workshop, like I mentioned, there's conferences, there's documentary screenings, uh, elders, appreciation tea. There's a lot going on. This is open to everyone. You don't just need to be from Kirkland for this. You can register at the library. It's recommended that you call them. I'm going to give the number. It's 514-630-2726. You can check out their fall 2019 activities on their website. You should go to www.ville.kirkland.qc.ca for all the information. From the pleasure and the politics to the hang-ups and the heartbreak, you're listening to Passion, CJD 800. Sitting in tonight is Paris Mansouri. Welcome back to the show. It's Trouble Tuesday, and in studio with me is Amanda Luterman. She, like Dr. Lori, focuses on intimacy and relationships. She's here to answer your questions, 514-800, to text us. Uh, again, this is private. No one's going to reveal your identity, your name. Even if you write your name, I won't say your name. Uh, if you want to call us and join the conversation and actually ask um, Amanda the question directly, you can call us at 514-790-0800. So the next question I have is from a gentleman. He says, I am a male eight years into a relationship and we are fortunate enough to still have a healthy sex life. We have always been pretty open about our needs and desires, both in and outside the bedroom. But more recently, we have gotten to the point where we dare speak of our more unconventional desires. As an example, we've recently, they wrote a long text, by the way, (laughs) we've recently realized that a threesome is a fantasy we share. We stopped at talk for now since we agree that it could be unintentionally disrupting our relationship. We have previously made sex tapes and I would like to do so again, but she's asked me to delete our previous ones and I'm scared of rejection and have only brought it up in jokes. Part of the problem is that my partner, her libido is quite a lot lower than mine. I myself masturbate pretty regularly. So my question is, how can I approach this topic in a sensible matter? I love her body and as for videotaping ourselves, part of the appeal to me is that it's kind of taboo and so feels naughty. For the same reason, I would probably have agreed to publish photos or videos of us if we weren't identifiable in them, but would never do so without her consent. Just being able to record and keep watching videos would go a long way. How do you advise <laughs> I speak with her? Bless you. Thank you. Um Okay, so uh, two main themes I want to pull from this question. The first is the desire to navigate um, non-monogamous fantasies together. And the second one is the desire 
discrepancies. So like one person who's, um, you know, more uh, inclined to masturbate uh, more frequently than their partner. So the first thing is if you have had, uh, for any couple out there who actually has come to a conversation where they both are willing to acknowledge a desire for a threesome or, or any sort of exploratory behavior that would involve, you know, opening their doors a little bit, then what they want to do is, like I said, I say this all the time, I work with quite a lot of non-monogamy or people are exploring um, how to do it properly. There are quite a few therapists, um, luckily, in Montreal who are comfortable navigating this kind of skill set and doing it properly. So this is a great opportunity to go talk to someone, um, not because you're not doing well, but actually because what but because you want to explore the comfort zone of your relationship, the the edge of your comfort zone um, of the relationship uh, skillfully. So that's the first thing. And in terms of having a threesome that you both fantasize, um, the reason it's a bit, you know, people are reluctant to actually cross into that turf is because um, of that fear, the fear of jealousy, the fear of inherently not being preferred, of the fear of inevitably not being preferred once somebody else has contact with your spouse. Um, there's all kinds of concerns people have. They're afraid that it'll, you know, never be the the, the boring pre-therapy and pre-therapy, pre-threesome era of the relationship will be hard to reestablish. Um, so there are a lot of concerns and that um, those conversations are difficult conversations that are helped in, in a therapy room. In that in that realm in the threesome realm and in your experience and obviously every mm. couple is different but is this one of those situations where once that line is crossed mm -hmm. it's hard to go back or does it really no, depend not on in, the couple in my experience i mean in my practice i more often than not it's like most things that you build up in your head you sort of go yeah okay it was fine <laughs> it was nice or you know it's it's really difficult to have an orgasm when you're self-conscious or when there's new variables thrown in to a situation so it's it's probably going to be exciting that you did it but not the best sex you've ever had I mean that's the first thing I want to lay out there for those who who think about these things as the end-all be-all um to you know e explorative exciting life I mean some people have really wonderful erotic um, mutually desiring experiences without a doubt but a lot of the time it's the f sign of like the it's sort of like the first time for anything you you want to keep your realistic expect your expectations realistic and in check and is there usually I mean does obviously if a partner is hesitating and then they end up going through with it are they is there is there a way to ever embrace the convert or approach the conversation with a partner who's extremely hesitant like if somebody mm -hmm. is talking to their partner and they're hesitating and they can't go to a therapist what's the way like do you just drop it or is there a way to continue the conversation to make the person feel more comfortable more open-minded or at least be open to going to see a therapist to have a conversation about it yeah well first of all um if somebody is hesitating then it can have an, a difficult and painful impact on the relationship you should never do anything that that shakes the attachment security of the relationship in a sense without both people being totally enthusiastic about it. So don't venture into a threesome, having a threesome because you want to excite your relationship, for example, okay. because chances are there's insecurities going into that experience that it's, that are not going to be improved by having a threesome. 
Um, so the other thing you want to watch out for, I talk about this a lot in my um, in in my guest lectures on on clinical considerations of non-monogamy, that there are some heterosexual couples where the the male has convinced the female to have a threesome with another woman because he thinks it's really hot and she's not actually at all bisexual and so it's it's a real commodification of female sexuality as a male fantasy and you want to be careful with that because most likely women will feel um you know they, they'll they feel sort of that objectification that can be a real trauma on the relationship. So make sure that there's an actual authentic desire to have a threesome that comes from arousal for each person. Amanda Luderman is in studio asking your questions. It's Trouble Tuesday. So if you do have any questions that you would like a licensed professional to answer regarding love, sex, or relationships, you can text us at 514-800. Adding to what you just said, somebody just texted in saying, I got to fulfill the fantasy of a threesome, two girls and me, but in the end, one got jealous and it didn't work. It's very possible. It happens. Definitely. You know, like all things, sexuality looks really glamorous and perfect in Hollywood. But in the day to gray, in the day to day grind, I mean, you know, sexual performance is never perfect and and things don't necessarily go as we hope they will in fantasy. Let's speak about like that perfect situation where the couples do try it and they come back to you and they're like, oh, you know, it was really good and mm -hmm. we're going to do it again. Um what do those relationships usually look like? What are some of the elements or the factors, the traits, the qualities that, that are common yeah. in um, those relationships where this could be successful? Oh, there's no question that uh, a real genuine joy from sexual activity and sexual pleasure is really important. Um, the desire to see each other, as in both partners, excited and happy to to venture into an experience together, to feel like you're going into it together, not one for the other, per se, I think is really important. Um, you know, I think the best of the worst case scenarios that I've heard, um, and I just heard again recently in my office, um, I'm sure if this client is listening, he's going to chuckle, that, um, you know, he felt left out because the two women got along really well. <laughs> and it was most novel for them because neither of them truly sort of um, had been with a woman before. And they, they felt comforted by the fact that they each knew this male who they would have they each have desire for and you know these are uh basically these are experienced um polyamorous where these two women hadn't been with a, a woman um themselves and it just went wonderfully they had a pre-existing respectful relationship for one another you know i mean you hear about the positive stuff every once in a while too and it's it's wonderful through producing this show for dr Lori, i've met quite a few couple and one uh couple that i personally know really well they're married they're extremely committed to each other they have a child uh but the gentleman so they're um they're a straight couple it's a man and a woman and the woman is totally fine if a girl it gets brought in for a threesome but she'll never venture out on her own and the gentleman does sometimes like go out and he'll let her know it's like oh there's this really hot girl and she's like yeah tell me about it mm -hmm. and he'll just go out fulfill his fantasy and obviously in a safe matter manner and come back and tell her about it or sometimes she was like it's just fun to know that he's getting his cake but they're in such a secure relationship and he's so clear and demonstrative and responds in her love language that mm. she feels absolute 100% trust that there's he's not going anywhere and I feel like that trust that he's not going anywhere and he's not actually seeking love or affection 
from someone else is giving her the peace of mind that he's really not going anywhere. Well, there is sort of a bad rap for, you know, secondary relationships or non-monogamous experiences being only casual. And I don't think that that's necessarily what makes it safe. What makes it safe is that each person in the constellation of people feels respected and valued. I mean, there is really and truly very little capacity for replaceability. Right. I mean, if somebody if you have a strong, wonderful connection with your partner, then you'll never be replaced because the relationship that person has with anybody else is never going to be exactly the same. We are talking threesomes, love, sex and relationships. More coming up with Amanda Luderman. Passion with Dr. Lori Batito on CJAD 800. Sitting in tonight is Paris Mansouri. Welcome back to the program. My name is Paris. I am sitting in for Dr. Lori all week. She's going to be back on Monday, back probably all tanned and golden from her trip to Greece. Contact her at lori at drlori.com or you can connect with her on her social media at Dr. Lori Batito on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Tonight, we are taking your questions, as is done every Tuesday. I have Amanda Luderman in studio with me. Like Dr. Lori, she focuses on intimacy and relationships, and she can answer your questions as they relate to love, sex, and relationships. Any intimacy problems, any relationship issues you're going to tonight is a time to ask them and connect with her directly. Um, A few follow-up text messages from the same person who texted us about fulfilling a fantasy so if you're just joining us we had a texter write in and say that they fulfilled a threesome fantasy with two girls and that one got jealous and they continued they followed up texted um and by the way if you do want to join in our conversation it's texting us is at 514-800 with any of your questions so this person uh, continued texting saying i feel responsible for turning my ex-girlfriend into an overly sexual explorer after the threesome the other thing after the threesome from a guy's perspective is you wonder if you'll ever like sex as much. Truth is, I still love sex regardless. It doesn't have to be a threesome. I want to zone in on um, on the I turned my my partner into an explore sex exploration monster um, that that, you know, that's a tough one because that implies that it's because of you entirely that she has the desire to explore her sexuality. What it sounds like was that was the incentive to, um, to begin her sexual exploration and not incentive. That was the springboard. Let's say the first positive experience to some degree, even if it wasn't all positive, that increased her motivation to explore her own sexuality. I would really recommend giving her a little more credit for, um, taking it upon herself to have you know, the inclination to explore more after that experience. Um, Because I think for you, um, whoever, you know, the the male partner writing this, if you feel like you're to blame for her wanting to do this now, it kind of sounds like, you know, you're not giving her credit for for doing it. And you're also maybe taking unfair, um, unjust responsibility upon yourself for what she's experiencing. So instead of taking that blame, you might actually want to just present or assert your need to to resume some of that good old-fashioned good stuff you had before the threesome and, and make sure she knows that that is important to you as well even though she's on her own explorative kick 
514-800 to text us your questions for Amanda Luderman. It is Trouble Tuesday, so the whole hour belongs to you. If you have any questions relating to love and sexuality, any dilemmas you're going through with your relationships, let us know. Somebody texted in saying, is there anything by rubbing a man's nipple? I guess they mean, does is there any does arousal any or does anything happen when you rub a man's nipples? Um, it's like any nipple. It depends on the nipple. So for for some people they have very little um, sensitivity in their nipples, and for other people, they it is it's like the key to their orgasm. So some people actually require nipple stimulation to achieve a high degree the high degree of arousal required um, to climax, and for others, it just really does nothing for them. And also, I just feel like I'll throw in some clarification here: um, breast size, nipple size have nothing to do with nipple sensitivity. So just so you know, um, in, you know, in fact, some people uh, are absolutely baffled by the changes in nipple stimulation um, that nipple stimulation can, can offer them over the course of the lifetime as well. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, obviously pregnancy will, will impact that, but men um, find as well that there are changes. So not necessarily in every person, but I, I would just make sure that if you do want to offer nipple, um, affection or stimulation then you you check in with your partner if you notice them a little bit wincing or ticklish that day or you know then just just practice the that that million dollar word when it comes to eroticism attunement practice attunement be attuned to what to verbal and nonverbal signals from your partner to be the greatest experience um that you can be and a little bit of insight on that what is um the sensitivity Mm -hmm. pre and post obviously post birth I'm imagining if you're if birth you're of the individual or pregnancy <laughs> post birth of a child. Yeah. Um, I imagine obviously breastfeeding is yeah. extra is an extra sensitive time. But afterwards, let's say a, a two or three years after you actually your child, is there what is it before and after? Sure. Well, actually, breastfeeding can be a very painful experience for a lot of women and who really endure and work hard to to be able to do it. It's it's not something. Um, you know, I know a lot of women have shame about needing to stop breastfeeding when they really had envisioned breastfeeding their children for longer than they were able to. It's very challenging. It's a real delicate subject for many moms. Um, and you know, the nipple, uh, nipple can be very sensitive. It changes a bit, right? So there are, um, there are just important considerations in the literature I, I know to, to include. I mean, for example, uh, even if it feels good, this is one of those incongruency things, even if it actually feels good to be touched, sometimes the discomfort about being touched sexually while breastfeeding for some women is a really big consideration. So the husband will say, you know, their partner will say, um, I don't understand. You said it feels really good or it's actually like a, a nice dis- difference from breastfeeding. Um, this, the, to actually accept caressing or affection, but that that sort of dual purpose of the breast at that time is sometimes very confusing for women. So again, this is about communication and about allowing differences in preference. Just because somebody liked something yesterday, proverbially yesterday, doesn't mean they're going to like it tomorrow. So it changes over time and sometimes a day or two may make a difference. Yeah, absolutely. Sensitive. 514-800 if you want to get any questions in to Amanda Luderman. We are taking any and all questions relating to love, sex, and relationships. Uh, we're having questions about vibrators come up. 
before that, someone said, I cannot orgasm. I have tried every position imaginable. I have had my boyfriend finger me, perform oral sex. I myself have masturbated with and without toys. I have not orgasmed in my entire life. Is it possible that I just can't? I generally say no, it's not possible you can't, but it may be possible that you're, um, that there could be some, just like the event we had tonight, um, your pelvic floor musculature, the tension that you're holding, any shame you might have for not having had orgasmed by now at this point, or, you know, just the focus on it is anerotic. I mean, it's just absolutely um, takes away the capacity to relax into sensation. And sometimes all the things like the, you know, being fingered or, or you know, being manually stimulated, um, receiving oral, all of these sound like you're checking off boxes, but we need to understand more about how it is you're actually being stimulated and where your mindset is at during those acts. So I often distinguish, I don't know if I've said this on this show yet, I distinguish between sexual scripts, so the, the sequence of behaviors that you work through when sexual. We all we have quite a heavy socialization around scripts, so you start kissing, you start making out, you fondle each other a little bit, and then eventually oral happens into intercourse. Um, that's a really, really heteronormative, you know, kind of way of having sex. And when people work through those steps, they unfortunately don't stay on any one of them very long. So if you're worrying about whether or not you've orgasmed, you also want to ask yourself if you're really giving yourself what's in the research as adequate stimulation and adequate erotic um, arousal to get there. We're going to continue on that. I feel like there may be more Amanda wants to add to it. We're going to talk um, about orgasms and also about toys. This is Passion on CJAD 800. Sitting in tonight is Paris Mansouri. Welcome back to the show. It's Trouble Tuesday. We're getting to your questions and um, we were talking about orgasms previously. The question was from a listener who was saying that they've tried every position imaginable and asked for help from their uh, partner and also self-pleasured, and they have not been able to orgasm uh, their entire life. And Amanda just had some follow-up. Yeah, the other thing I wanted to add to that is, um, like I had mentioned, the sexual scripts the, as the sequence of behaviors that we um, typically pursue in hopes of resulting in an orgasm. There's a whole other dimension as well to think about, which is the erotic piece, the erotic narrative. So it's not enough to just receive stimulation for a lot of us out there. It's important to sort of what I call set the stage in your mind for why what you're doing is arousing. So... For some, it's a bit of a role play, but like I said, it doesn't need to be an extensive, you know, costumed situation, but just rather a bit of a setting the stage. Um, you know, just I, there was a couple um, that I worked with where, you know, he one of their most successful situations was where he would uh, initiatives was when he walked in to the room she was in and just took her by the hand and said, come on, let's go show them how it's done. And meanwhile, they're home alone. So all he did was set the stage for her to feel proud to be watched being intimate with him. And that, you know, she, in fact, they were actually having processed it, were each envisioning being watched by very different collections of people, right? And so they're, they're, they're each of their individual experiences were totally different from one another. And they were, in fact, alone with their sexual pleasure in each other's company in a way that was just so comfortable and so 
um, encouraged by the other. And that's, I mean, that's what I call erotic empathy, right? Having empathy for the fact that what your partner needs is maybe not what you need. And maybe what they're experiencing, you won't even know about unless you talk about it later. But it is an important thing to be able to understand what you require in order to feel aroused. So you may be a little kinkier than you than you originally assume. Um, and you might need to understand and have an arousal narrative um, in order to really build up those sensations. And so don't work at it from a cardio standpoint, okay? The more more stimulation you're enduring does not mean the closer you are getting to orgasm, but rather think about what you find arousing and what turns you on and really spend time on that. So you might want to read erotica or, you know, um, look into thinking about as you navigate the street, hmm, what do I find enticing? And and do that self-study um, from an erotic uh, intelligence standpoint. And, and I hope, I wish you good luck. Our next question is for someone who says just Wondering if you have a suggestion for a good vibrator for a woman. As I'm getting older, I feel like I would need one since it's taking a little longer to reach orgasm. That's a beautiful question because it should be a relaxing and enjoyable endeavor to have an orgasm. And for some, the manual stimulation is a lot of work. It's hard, right, to sort of keep up uh, the stamina yourself to to achieve orgasm, to reach orgasm. So um, I typically recommend the Hitachi wand. It comes in cordless now. So <laughs> um, it's, you know, it, it has various uh, rhythms. You can adjust the the pressure and um, and what I encourage because it is quite intense in a way, it's the one that looks like the giant microphone. If anybody's wondering, it's it's white. Um, it's not an internal toy. It's an external stimulator. So but what's interesting about it, I think, is um, is that it does give quite a lot of general sensation. So you can stimulate a lot of the vulva, a lot of the clitoral structure, not just what that the little bean under the hood, so to speak, but but the whole general clitoral structure, even just while you're wearing your underwear, you know, you can stimulate and, and really relax into a gradual progression to orgasm. There's a lot of success with it. And our last question of the night goes to a gentleman says, I'm a husband of my beautiful wife from the last 18 years. Now, from a few months, I want to have a threesome, me, my wife, and another male. I tried to convince my wife uh, for this, but she is not agreeing. Is it normal for me to have this type of wish or actually this is a fantasy? That's a great question. Um, so, you know, male fantasies with other men, like uh, particularly heterosexual married, um, heterosexual married, people who are married to a, uh, men who are married to a woman um, are largely stigmatized for having bisexual fantasies or urges. It's an unfortunate um, a stigma. Uh, I think it's difficult for men to discuss fantasies uh, with other men, but it sounds like uh, it's something that you, you look forward to, but you also interestingly don't look forward to just um, or don't fantasize about uh, hooking up with another man, but actually hooking up with another man with your wife. And and that's not an unusual fantasy in that if you are uh, a little bit ashamed about that urge, um, as you might be kind of exploring in this question, you know, is this normal, then having your wife there could actually be a really nice sort of approval or acceptance of this fantasy for you. You're not seeking a relationship with another man, it sounds like. What you're seeking is an experience. Yeah, and... but she's not agreeing to it. That's what he's saying. Well, the, yeah, of course not. I, I think it's very startling for a woman who wants her husband to desire her to um, you know, to feel that he was, she, you know, he might be quote unquote gay. It sounds like he's most likely got some bisexual fantasies. Okay. And then in terms of just considering 
like is this individual mm -hmm. wanting to watch his wife with another man or is this individual wanting to experience another man but being safe in that his wife is there it's a really great question it's probably both um but it's it's definitely one or the other um and you know in what he's saying it could be either is the point and uh and and who knows? It's you know I, I hope that he can explore this with um with a therapist, and uh, we'll see. You know I'd love to know how that goes. I think it's a question that people don't realize is actually more common than you'd think. When I lied, there's one more question from somebody who didn't want that. It was a caller who didn't want to go on air, <laughs> and so our technical producer Aaron is relaying this. So if we could get to it really quickly, I don't want to leave him hanging. It says, "How do you safely approach oral sex with a woman for the first time?" um approach physically or verbally um so basically you want to have oral sex with this woman and you have not ever yet have you been with her for a long time and haven't yet or is it for the very first time i guess i'll answer both okay if you've been with her for a long time and you'd like to initiate oral sex but haven't yet i would bring it up verbally first if you haven't been with her for a long time and you'd like to to explore it then you might want to bring it up in conversation first sort of like is that something you're into or you know start being intimate and and inching down right start kissing down her body as you're hooking up and say is this something you're comfortable with that's uh, i definitely believe in verbal consent because that way you're not navigating any kind of ambivalent territory after which she would feel super vulnerable or exposed um, a lot of women are very sensitive about oral sex uh, but at the same time those who enjoy it are thrilled that you would really like to just think about how you experience oral sex yourself so yeah Hopefully that answers your questions. That is it for us. Um, <laughs> I started doing this last week, so I'm going to do it again tonight. I'm going to have a quote of the night every night. And tonight it's connection is not nearly as romantic as investment. Connection is something you can find with many people. Finding people who will truly invest in you is rare and that should be valued incredibly highly. And that's a quote by Matthew Hussey. That's the end of the show. I wanna thank Amanda Luderman for being here. You can connect with her at eroticempathy.ca. It's a new venture she's taken on and there's a lot going on from information to just sessions you can attend so definitely check it out eroticempathy.ca uh, if you want to connect with me it's at Paris Mansuri on Twitter Instagram and Facebook I want to thank our technical producer Aaron Lackoff for getting the show to air uh, we're back tomorrow night with Dating Dilemmas until then have a great rest of the evening and remember to live your life with passion <laughs>